He is Christian. He's Jimmer. I would be correct. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag and Chips. Well, a tube of... Yeah, a tube of potato, tomato, things, and beet. As you can tell, we're both super excited about this week's uh, veggie chips. Sensible portion garden veggie chips. Cheddar cheese flavor. Like a Pringle ripoff in the carton, the tube. Yeah. Anyway. This week we're going to go over return to participation or sport principles. So we're not going to be super specific about which sport here. We're just going to talk about generally what you'll be looking for, what you're trying to accomplish when doing that. Sounds like fun. It's a very important part of uh, athletes who go through rehab, obviously, right? The rehab doesn't stop when they regain their motion or their strength. Yeah. But that's when their fun part starts. Yeah, so most people think with physical therapy, it's just get you far enough to hand you off to a personal trainer or back to a coach. That's really not the case at all. No, there com- there's a lot more to it as far as being safe and returning. And we could spend probably a whole episode on, we've, we've t- touched on this earlier, on not doing proper and safe return to sports and all these athletes that continuously re-injure themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of physiological things that have to occur that you can't necessarily measure with a tape measure or a ruler or an MRI or an ultrasound or anything along those lines. There's things that only time can really help with. But that's a story for another day, more or less. Well, I like it. Yeah. So return to participation principles. Tons and tons and tons and tons of protocols out there for every injury you can imagine post Ankle sprain, post Achilles, ACL, hip reconstruction, you pick it, you name it. And the thing with those is that they're kind of nice guidelines. But the problem is, is not everybody really fits that two weeks you've got this, at four weeks you've got this, at nine weeks you've got this situation. Some people are are way ahead early on in their recovery. Some people need a couple more weeks to to even get to the stage two type of criteria. And so it's really, really important that with all of these protocols, you make sure that you don't just go by, today is nine days post-surgery, we're going to do the thing that's nine days post-surgery. That is just not a very effective way to handle return to participation. No, that's where the importance of of physical therapy comes in, right? Because the most important thing during those stages is proper assessment. You know, you need somebody with excellent kinesiology skills and assessment skills to be able to say, okay, I know that we should be ready to start doing ladder training, but you're still having a little bit of functional hip weakness, and that's causing you to move in such and such a way. So we got to fix that before we make the next step. So the assessment part is just as important as the protocol part. And a lot of times what we find is that an individual has injured something, say their knee, and we look at their knee and their knee is, is doing a you know, a good job coming along recovery-wise, but they continue to present with the same issue that probably caused that knee to be hurt in the first place. And that would be poor loading during jump, right? You don't land well. Your, your knee turns in, your, your, your ankle rolls in. Something adds extra stress. And so your knee may be ready for sport, but as a body, you're not ready to go yet. And so that's really important to make sure that from a preventative standpoint, you're taking care of that particular area of, of weakness. Even though it's not the injured area, it's definitely the area that is most likely to cause an injury. 
Poor re-injury. Yep. Poor re-injury in, in a lot of cases. And the hard thing, I think, for us, too, is to prep a patient in that they feel good, right? They're ready to go. They're chomping at the bit. Their pain is gone. Their swelling is gone. Their knee almost feels normal. And to, to be able to relay to them that, listen, when we're doing these functional grid testing here or whatever testing you use to, to effectively assess functional symmetry, you're not ready yet. You're not ready to do this. But to them, it feels like they are. Pain and strength are really kind of simple assessment tools. I mean, they're, they tell you a little bit of the story. But if you watch somebody who's pain-free and has equal strength and they jog up and down the hall and their jogging is asymmetrical, you go, what's, what's going on there? Why is it asymmetrical? What, I mean, everything says that they should be ready to go back to, to their sport, but something just isn't right. They're not moving like they should. And that becomes... Again, outside of the protocol world, protocol-wise, everything is correct. They're able to do things that the protocol says they should, but it's just not right yet. And that's one of the hardest conversations you have to have with the participant or, or the, the, the parent or the coach or whoever is the driving force in that decision-making tree. And, and especially with the patient, right? Like I said, they're, they're, they've been working hard for six months. They're ready to go back. They know the protocol. And... You have to tell them that, listen, you're not ready to go back. You, you have to be smart about that. You have to be safe. There's not a negotiation necessarily involved there, but it's always making sure that they understand the ramifications. I mean, you can't stop somebody from doing something really at any point in time. You can always just give them the best information available to allow them to make the most of effective long-term choice for them. And sometimes that's a, a really difficult situation to try to get to. And so outside of just the testing, the player has to feel confident and feel comfortable. And, and once they're ready to start participating, in most cases, it should be somewhere near three or four weeks before they're really back to game level once they've been fully cleared to participate completely. And that involves just starting to go through practice again because it's really difficult to simulate volleyball in the clinic. It's really difficult to simulate a full soccer game in the clinic. It's difficult to simulate the level of fatigue they'll experience if they're playing six games over a weekend tournament. And those are things that you have to take into account when you're coming back and not be super excited to go 100% full speed at the detriment of being injured again. And typically you don't injure the same thing. Something else starts to hurt. You sprain an ankle, and if, you, if your knee is originally hurt, you sprain an ankle, or you hurt your back, or you do something to your hip, or something happens that changes the way you're moving, and then you are more inclined to hurt something else. And that's always a concern when you're dealing with a longer recovery from, say, a surgical intervention. And the same is true with something slightly simpler, like a sprained ankle. If you sprain your ankle on the first day of practice, and you get taped up every day after that, you're never really coming all the way back to, to baseline. I mean, your baseline is far enough away that you have to continue to work at, in that particular case, your ability to, to balance well, your strength, your range of motion. I mean, proprioception is a huge component to any return to participation, and that's your body's awareness of itself. And those things change, especially after a surgery. Things aren't where they were before the injury when you've had a surgery. If you have a, 
an Achilles rupture and they repair that, the tendon length is now substantially different. The way it's anchored to your calcaneus, your heel there, is, is going to be different than it used to be. And your body needs to start to learn what that feels like. And that process takes a long time. And it's really hard to get back sooner than your body is able to do that. And the best diagnostic factor for determining how quickly you're going to heal is young age. So unfortunately, if you're 14 and you do something, and you're 25 and you do something, it's going to go faster when you're 14 than 25. And the same is true with 25 versus 40, unfortunately. And so that's always tricky and tough. So for those of you who are eagerly awaiting for us to give you the precise protocol to return back to sports, obviously there is none. Protocols are guidelines. They're kind of useful tools that you can use to kind of take a measurement as to where somebody might be. But the biggest thing is your assessment of how somebody moves. And that, that's what PT ultimately is about, right? Is, is our evaluation and assessment skills, especially pertaining to movement. Yeah. Generally, the best current accepted practices are strength of uninvolved at at least 90%. Realistically, that should be closer to 95%. And that's with all the testing. So you test single leg press strength, and you'd also do a manual muscle test of, of the knee extender, say, as, a, as an example there. Uh, you also want to go through what's now known as essentially turn of sport testing, and that involves the single hop test for distance, the the triple hop test for distance, and all these kind of other sort of jumping and landing tests. And again, those things should also be 90% of uninvolved. And really, again, this should be closer to probably 95% to really indicate that somebody is moving the way that they're supposed to. And a lot of times you'll read that with these tests, that somebody after their surgery is performing them better than they were prior to their surgery. And that's because a lot of these tests aren't specific to the sport you're participating in and they're only specific to the rehab guidelines and so just because your triple hop test for distance is better now after surgery than it was prior to surgery doesn't mean you're going to be as good at your sport yet I mean maybe maybe you finally started to train and do something that's going to help you but it's something again to take into the whole continuum and you don't you can't stamp one thing oh I'm better at this so I'm healed there's a huge component uh, or lots of components involved, and you need to make sure that each one of those is is ready for return to sport. Yeah, the other problem that you run into with testing is a test situation is generally speaking safe. It's very controlled, and so that does not necessarily replicate a, um, a sports activity. So, you know, it, it's about the best way that we can get a feel for where somebody is, but it's never the same. little anecdote there, what about 30, 25, 30 years ago, the big thing in testing was isokinetic testing. And that was a, isokinetics, um, without getting too specific, was a, a means of applying resistance. And we would do isokinetic testing in order for somebody with an ACL to see whether or not their leg was strong enough uh, in comparison to their non-involved leg and return back to activity. And we saw several clients that tested amazing, had a huge, you know, huge quad size, everything was back to normal. As soon as they started planting and cutting, they would re-injure themselves. So testing situations are helpful, but they're not all-encompassing. And that's why the graded exposure to sport or whatever activity is you're wanting to do is, is really, really, really important as the final phase, and it, and it really shouldn't be skipped. And so that's beginning to play your sport at 
the first week, 25% participation. So if you're going through practice, you do one out of four repetitions of that specific drill and you do a you know, whole practice, but you only do 25% of it broken up over a period of time. That'll give you a really good indication of how sore you're going to be afterwards. Did something hurt during? It doesn't allow your endorphins to get super high and mask any discomfort or any other issues you're having. And if that goes really well for you know the first week of practice, then we start pushing you to 50%. And if that goes really well, you know, 75% and then 100%. And once you're doing 100% of practice, that's as close as we're going to get in most cases to game-like situation. And that's our best diagnostic indicator of how prepared you are for playing in games again. And if at any one of those stages, you know, you're having pain or you're having limitations or something doesn't feel right or you're not confident, you stay at that 25% or that 50% or, or that 75%, whatever it is, until you're feeling good and ready and confident, performing well at those levels. And so everyone can fall into different places on that return you know, to participation scale. And so it's really, really individual. And everybody wants to come back as soon as possible. And you just have to take into account that it's, it's great to come back soon as long as you can participate and play well. And if you can't play well and you're just out there going through the motions, essentially, is it worth being back yet? And that's a hard decision for anybody to make, and it really ultimately falls on the the individual to decide how capable and how good their performance is to make those decisions and, and what they need to work on to really feel 100% better. Well said. Trivia time. I can't remember last week's trivia. Uh, you can't either. The air in a potato chip bag is not air. What is it? That's right. Did we get any good answers? We did. We did have we did have some good answers this week. Good. Yeah, very impressive. There was a good couple of guesses in there too that were quite entertaining. Okay. I think Robert mentioned it was the uh, potato chip farts. Okay. Which was quite funny. Yeah. But but no, it's it is nitrogen. That's right, nitrogen, not oxygenated air, but nope. nitrogenated air. Yeah, and the reason that's done is because nitrogen is very nearly an inert gas, so it's not. Truly an inert gas, but it's close enough. It's colorless, it's odorless, it's tasteless. It preserves the chips within the bag for a while. It cushions them, kind of. Kind of, they say that. Yeah. Chip-to-air ratio, as we call it. Right. Yep. It also makes up 78.09% of our atmosphere, so, you know. So there's plenty of it. There's a lot of it out there. Yep. We're not stealing somebody else's nitrogen. Nah, nah. All right, this week's question. What is the tiny plastic covering... On the tip of a shoelace called. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That has a name. That has a name. It's probably like a, like a, like a nipple protector or something. Uh, nope. That's not right at all, so it don't guess that. Okay. Nope. I did, that wasn't my guess. That was just a, just a story. Okay. All right. So, you what is it. the tiny plastic covering on the tip of a shoelace called? Fantastic. I just peeked and saw the answer, and I would have never guessed that. Good luck with that, guys. Chip time! Well, veggie thing. I guess they're chips, because they can put chips on the, the bag, so they're not made like a Pringle, which would be from a dough. They're actually a, this looks a, a quite, chip. This looks like it could have been compressed They do look extruded. Yeah. So this is the Sensible Portions Veggie Chips Cheddar Cheese Flavor. Chip to air ratio, 65%, which is really kind of weird because it's a tube. and You should be able to fill that puppy what do you need, up. What do you need air for in there, really? But 
Potatoes, tomatoes, carrots, and beets. Gluten-free. And these were courtesy of? Mr. Cavisto. Mr. Cavisto. Huh. Yeah, you start. I mean, Pringle consistency. Really quite yeah. salty. Not super crunchy. Almost like stale. Not getting any cheddar cheese flavor. Not really getting any flavor. I don't even know if I want to put another one in my mouth. They're not bad. Well, not good. No, they're very indifferent. Well, it's like, yeah, salty cardboard. Salty. Yeah, they're definitely. If, if that's the um, if that's the healthy version of a potato chip, I'm just gonna stick with the non-healthy uh, variety. I mean, they still have 14% of your total fat. There's still one ounce of serving at 150 calories, so I don't really know what you're getting out of this other than the fact that there's a little... Beets and carrots? Pretty far down the road, you know, some beets and carrots and tomato. So how about this? If you really want to eat healthy, get beets and carrots. Put them on a plate yep. and have that with your beer. But uh, as far mm -hmm. as a chip substitute that's healthy is concerned i wouldn't go I, I wouldn't go with this and honestly the uh this back says vegetable powders of tomato carrot beet yeah so it's not even like real so that might they explain, sprinkle a little beet and carrot on there. that might explain the orangey color yeah i know no, i'm disappointed highly avoidable wouldn't, um, wouldn't two, bother two thumbs down for me two thumbs down i'm, I'm gonna give it one thumbs down because it, it's 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 edible and then, yeah, but it's got to be enjoyable. It's not an. Eh. Well, it's your choice. You can. I'm, I'm not going. Gonna I'm giving you. it. I'm giving it one thumb down. Still, not enough. It should be two. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening today. Can't get the flavor out of my mouth. Whatever flavor that was. Yeah. Next huh. week we're going to go over patella tendinitis. Ooh, that's a good one. We're going to review the kettle wood smoked sea salt. Yeah. That's going to be way better. That's that's. Gonna I'm already be. looking forward to that. So I, I make some wood smoked sea salt on the the smoker at home every every once in a while. Oh, you do? It's a nice little additive okay. to, to to things here and there. So, so that's did kind you of make fun. these chips? No, uh, that would be impressive. But they no. came from kettle. Yeah. If you like the show today, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. Anyone looking for information on this topic, follow us on Instagram and or Twitter throughout the week. For more information on Rebound Therapy, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. Every single one of our episodes is archived on there as well with a bunch of uh, links and that sort of stuff too, so feel free to check that out. He's Jimmer and I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.